All right. I'm kind of getting an early start. This is cool. I'll have plenty of time. Um, how many of you know that when, when you begin to not just uh, study the Bible so that you can gain more knowledge or when you begin to understand that you live out this kingdom life day by day, you begin to see things that you didn't see before? Has anybody ever experienced that? In like your job or in, in, in everyday life, you begin to see things that you go, maybe this isn't a coincidence, right? Um, I, <clears throat> I'm constantly reminded of that when, when I deal with our kids and, and uh, with my wife, with Tracy, with coworkers and um, with customers and different things like that, I begin to see things. And for years, I kind of took things. I didn't, I didn't think that they meant a whole lot all the time. And I'm not saying that everything has some deep meaning and think like there's a demon behind each bush and everything like that. What I'm saying is um, you begin to recognize these little things. And what I begin to recognize is not many of the things that I took for granted were actually the Lord speaking to me through people or through, through things. Does that make sense? I think God reveals himself. That's why Jesus would say, look at this you know, tree or look at this bird or look at these lilies. He would demonstrate things to us so that we could see them vividly and know this is for you. This isn't just, you know, I'm not just talking about this stuff. This is a reality. And so uh, last night we got, Jordan said she wanted a new Bible because she couldn't understand the Bible she had. And so we, we bought her a different version that reads more like a story that's a little bit clearer. It's called the Message Bible. It's Eugene Peterson. And I read from it here from time to time. And I like it. It's a very colorful version of scripture, and I like the way it's written, and it's not just a paraphrase. He went all the way back and looked at all the Greek words and brought a lot of life out of them because it's hard for us to translate and transliterate into the English language what's being said because our language is a bit weak <laughs> in comparison. And if you do some studies, you'll, your head will hurt when you start looking at it, um, how we've really softened a lot of the words. Anyway, so we got her that, and she was really excited and wanted to read it to us, so she set up a little Bible study, and I kind of videoed a little bit of it, gave you a snippet on Facebook last night. But she set up a Bible study and made us all get our Bibles out and, and follow along. And she, she said, what did you talk about Sunday? And I told her. So she went straight there and started teaching from it. And we asked her, what does that mean? And we talked about it. And it was really cool to see my, you know, my daughter excited and talking and, 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 and just giving us a little Bible study there in our living room. And uh, so it was pretty cool. Uh, and so I thought about that yesterday. And I, really, I, was, I was planning on talking about baptisms today because we we're going to have baptisms. And there's a little bit of that in here, but it's not the main focus of the message because... What she, what she planted in my heart was a little more powerful, I think. And I went back and reread what we talked about last week, and I said, you know what, we're going to talk about that again. <laughs> so we're going to talk about what we talked about last week, except I'm going to go forward instead of backwards, and I'm going to read out of the Message Bible instead of uh, the NIV like I did last week. And the more I read it and the more I heard you know, my daughter speak it just as, as openly and, and clearly as a, as a 10-year-old can just speak, it was just really cool, and it really did something in me, and I don't think it was a coincidence. I think someone needs to hear some of it. It reminded me a little bit of, of, of uh, my history, and I'll tell you that in just a moment. So we're, we're going to go back to Colossians 2.6, um, and I'm reading out of the message. If you have a digital Bible, you can switch, or if you want to follow along in another version, that's fine. Um, but this is a little, board, a, a little more in terminology that's, uh, I guess, in our day and age is a little bit clearer. Um, very colorful. I like it. kind of reads like a story. Um, and I think it takes into consideration the meta-narrative or the, the grand story of the Bible, which is everything is about Jesus. And you guys have heard me say that before. In most traditional Bibles, it has headings that for some reason we've put in there, scratch them all out, <laughs> and put it's all about Jesus, and it'll help you understand Scripture a lot better. Um, so I, I see this in a lot of Eugene Peterson's writings from the, the Message Version. So Colossians 2.6 says, My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. 
Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the Master, now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well-constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Wow. (laughs) School's out. Start living this thing. Verse 8 says, Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. How many have heard that before? A lot of intellectual double talk. I've heard it a lot, and it's crippling to the believer when they're trying to understand and live out this life, and and you get a lot of that. They want to drag you off into endless arguments (laughs) that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings, but that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. Man, that's good. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. So listen, this isn't a a universalism scripture saying, well, Christ is over everything. Listen, this is saying that Christ has experienced everything that you've experienced. We say, well, you don't get it. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. Yeah, he does. (laughs) And he comes down and he meets us right where we are. And he gets down on his knees and he gives us a hug and says, I see what you're going through and I understand. I've been tempted. I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. I was in human form. I was God in human form and I felt what you feel. So he is in all all things and everything. He knows. This isn't a a, a text message from heaven saying, do these things and everything will be okay. It's Christ coming down as the prototype to show that God and man can dwell together in peace. And so he says, listen, I, I do know. <laughs> I hear you and I understand what you're going through because I went through it too. Verse 11 says, entering into his fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. Let me say that again. Entering into, his, into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or, being a, or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in. Insiders, not through some secretive initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you. Destroying the power of sin. If it's an, <laughs> if it's an initiation ritual you're after, you're, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming out of the water was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were, when you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you to life. Right along with Christ, think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in this universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Listen, he took all of your real enemies, death, hell, the grave, fear, anxiety, stress, and he made a public spectacle of them, the the version that I'm familiar with, instead of walking them naked through the streets, though I like that one too. He made a public spectacle of everything that you have to deal with and struggle with. And listen, you may think it has to do with some people or your circumstances, but it doesn't. Well, how do we know this? Because we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and heavenly realms. You're not fighting people. God's not fighting people. And we have to realize this. He's saying right here, listen, he made a public spectacle of your true enemies. What are you guys dealing with? 
I don't know. I don't know what each individual in here is dealing with. I do know some because we talk, because we have a relationship. Some of you know our struggles that we're dealing with, with physical health issues, with uh, whether, it's, whether it's financial or, or um, stress or anxiety or fear, right? These things don't seem like much, and we go, well, we shouldn't deal with these things because Christ has already conquered those, right? Well, yeah, he has, but sometimes our minds can get, can get a bit paralyzed and aren't aligned with our hearts. And I'll tell you firsthand, health issues can be very polarizing. <laughs> firsthand, I can tell you because they have been for me for the last month or so. They, they will begin to, for me, physical health begin to push its way into the center of my life. And it took... Um, Lots of frustration and the Lord revealing himself through things that I could have taken as coincidence, but were not coincidence, in fact, but were God speaking to me through things, situations, and people, some of you guys, that have gotten me a lot better and a lot healthier now, and I feel great today for it. And listen, don't... Let me see how I can put this. <laughs> don't sell yourself short for hearing from the Holy Spirit to speak to other people. Uh, let me word it another way. Don't, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Okay? The Lord speaks to us in lots of different ways. And there may be a time when you feel like the Lord's speaking to you, and you go to somebody, and you pray for them, and say, hey, I feel like the Lord is saying this, and it has given me this word, and they go, nope, that wasn't for me. <laughs> you know, that can crush somebody if, if, if you've built up enough nerve to pray for somebody, and they go, sorry, it's not for me. Or, you know, in, any, any situation like that. Listen, don't be discouraged by that. There may be something else going on there that, that's happening, or they may be lying. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying don't be discouraged and don't be afraid to make a mistake. I think that's what's crippled the church for years is that pastors have tried to, to guard their people to, 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 to not allow them to come into the fullness of Christ in their own lives because they've tried to put up bumpers and, and guards for them and not give them the freedom to understand who they are and who they've been called to be. And with good intentions, they've, actually, they've absolutely crippled people because they've, they've created codependent people and insecure pastors that are scared that somebody's going to go out and do something stupid and make us all look bad. Listen, you're all going to do something stupid eventually. <laughs> I'm not going to stress out about that. I'm on social media. I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but here's the thing. Religion can create a polished atmosphere where we can have a... a a nice button-down shirt tucked in, and this is a figurative speaking type of church where everybody looks good and we all can put on that facade. But I don't believe that's what church should be, and I don't believe this is what this church is meant to do. This church is meant for us to come in here and fall apart when you need to fall apart. This church is meant for a place of healing when we hurt. Whether that's physical or spiritual, the church should be the hospital for the, for, for the lost and the saved. How long have we been going here? Years, years. I don't know. It's your, this is your story. <laughs> a long time? Forever? Yeah. I can't speak for her, but I've been healed mentally and emotionally more by sitting in these chairs than all the counselors and doctors and other people that I've talked to ever. Me too. That's what you're looking for, and that's, that's, where, that's what this place is. Yeah. Always make it every Sunday, you know, because I have lupus and I get sick a lot and that gets me down a lot. Yeah. And uh, coming here, I've had more 
healthy days, you know, that I've had in years. Well, there, there's wherever the kingdom is, there's going to be an outward manifestation of that kingdom. And so what we... We try to do, and what I hope to do, is always preach the kingdom in here, and that's the that's the message that Jesus gave constantly: is the kingdom of God is at hand, it's within reach, it's within our midst. And so, when we preach the good news of the gospel, the very a very natural byproduct is going to be healing, whether it's physical, spiritual, financial, whatever it is. It, it is going to be a natural byproduct of that. Now, what we have to be careful of, and what I think a, a lot of times we fail, or, or sometimes I've seen where people will fail, is they try to put the cart in front of the horse. They say, "Okay, well, we need." We need to go after all these things. We need to go after, you know, this, 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 a whatever. You can, you can call it whatever you want. I don't want to put names on it because it's, it's different for everybody so that we can bring the kingdom. And it's not, you can't do that. It's a seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. Not seek all these things and then the kingdom will manifest. That doesn't, that's not how it works. We, we seek Jesus and his kingdom. And from that place flows everything else. Like living waters, they just flow out. It's, it's a... It's just the way things work. It just happens. And, and it's not a, I'm not just saying that flippantly like, eh, whatever, just lay around and don't do anything. I know you guys, and you don't do that. You guys wake up early, and you serve, and you love, and you help, and you bend over backwards to, to reach out to people. And it's not from a place of insecurity that you're trying to gain some kind of access to the Lord. It's because the Lord works through you, and you're, and you're confident enough to do that. It's an identity thing. Verse 16 says, so don't, don't put up with anyone pressuring you in details of diet, worship, service, or holy days. All those things were mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. Listen, on this side of the cross, you have the substance. You don't have to focus on the types and shadows that came before, which were rituals, man-made laws, and different things that we had to do to gain access to the Father. What do you have to do to gain access to the Father now? What do you have to do? Ask him. How do we have access to the Father? Jesus. Christ is the substance. It says it right there. Christ is the substance. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to have elaborate prayers. Listen, I gave up on my long, <laughs> my long prayers over meals years ago when finally God said, why are you doing this? People are hungry. I, I'm not impressed. <laughs> They're not impressed. <laughs> Just bless the food and move on. And so if you ever hear me bless food, I, I bless it quick, man. Let's, get, let's eat. I almost want to do it at the end and just give him Thanksgiving. But I just, don't, don't try to work up this, this grand prayer that you have to speak to God in a certain way as though he doesn't know you. How do you speak to your earthly father? I mean, you give him honor, but you, you talk to him. Say, Dad, man, I'm dealing with this thing, or I need this. I need something. Or what do you think about it? Let me get your opinion on this. How, how, do we, how, do we, how do we relate to people that we love and that we have a relationship? Here's the even better thing. Some of us have good examples as fathers. Some of us have bad examples as fathers. But how much more is our, is our heaven, how much better is our heavenly father that we would, we would not, I don't want to get, go far, too far down this road, but we're not the strangers or the, the neighbors knocking on the door. We're the sons that are laying in bed that tug on daddy's beard and say, hey, I need a piece of bread. And he goes, okay, of course I'm going to feed you. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're not, you're not, please let me in. And he's annoyed with you, so he comes outside. That's not you. You're the son. In the bed. Okay, I'm not, I'll stop there. I want to tell you, most of you know me. Some of you know me better than others, but I know that there's a lot of, of people that don't know me as well. And so some of what Jordan was talking about last night for some reason brought this up. And then when I was studying, even this morning, I began to think about my history and where I've come from. And I don't, I don't want to tell you this to, to 
to make, make it like it's a big deal about me, but I feel like someone can get something out of it. Um, so whatever my story is, I hope that someone else can get, get something out of it that it's not that I'm glorified, but that the Lord's glorified through it. So I want to give that as a, a bit of a pre-warning that I'm not trying to build myself up in any means. Um, how many of you know my first name? Ah, probably, how, you may not, you may think it's Justin. Justin's my middle name. My first name is Wakiza. And most people laugh when I say that. And I think it's weird that people laugh because it seems rude because <laughs> it's really my name. <laughs> and I don't care. It doesn't offend me, but I, I, find it, I find it humorous that they think it's humorous because it's my name. <laughs> and I can't change it. It's not like my fault or anything. Um, and I'll say, hey, my name's Wakiza. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. That's rude. <laughs> That's really my name. Like, if you said, hey, my name is James, I'd be like, ha, ha, your name is James. That would be rude. But because Wakiza is, I guess, not a traditional name, Unless, is anybody else named Wakiza in here? <laughs> Liar. <laughs> As one of our elders raises his hand. All right, so we, <laughs> so we, my, name, my first name is Wakiza. I was, uh, it means determined warrior. How cool is that? Yeah, I thought it was awesome, but kids are mean. <laughs> so I changed it to Justin because <laughs> I wanted to be normal. I didn't want to be different, right? When you're a kid, you're like, I just want to fit in. I want to, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, called out for anything because then people are going to pick on you and they're going to be mean to you. It's just the way it is, or this is the way it was for me. And so I said, well, I'll just be called Justin then. It's my middle name. seems like a normal name. There are other Justins that I see, so maybe I'll be normal. <laughs> I wasn't. But my name was, uh, and so I hid all the crazy back <laughs> and acted normal. I was pretty quiet as a kid. Uh, but I was, I was born, and I'm not going to go into the whole gamut. Some of you know I was, you know, I was supposed to be aborted. The doctor said that, you know, there was no way that I would make it. Lots of, lots of things that that the Lord did in my life that revealed himself to me before I ever got saved that I counted as coincidence kind of thing. Um, but my dad, you know, was a drug dealer, dealt drugs and did drugs and was an alcoholic and was abusive. And my mom was a runaway and she was a teenager. And there's a lot of turmoil. I was introduced to, to sex and drugs and, and alcohol and abuse. And I mean, you name it, there was lots of things that I saw at a young age that a child should not see. And so, from that place, you begin to build your, your life as though this is normal, right? So this, this, this picture is painted of, of what life is. And, and so you live that life the best that you know how. You go to school, you function, you, you deal with things in different ways. You don't know your value, but you, you, you begin to be more self-sufficient earlier. And so I became pretty self-sufficient. I was the mediator between a lot of arguments with my parents to try to say just... You know, and they're drunk, and so they don't know. And I'm trying to reason with them, and and so it's it was it was it was hard. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was a hard life when I was younger, and and so as I grew up, I began to realize that I was going to be the only one that was going to take care of me. Um, and and that's a that's a tough thing when you're a kid, you know. So at some point, I ended up. Well, I bounced around a lot between, and my dad left us when we were young, and we moved around a lot, and eventually I ended up, I ended up with my grandparents, and that was a bit, that was probably the most stable place for me, was at my grandparents in Lake Charles in Louisiana, and uh, that stability was good for me, um, but at the same time, I'm dealing with things that every teenager deals with, and, and growing up, and <clears throat> we were still poor, I mean, we, we were always poor growing up, and I wanted to be cool like the other kids and wear the cool name brand clothes, and at the time in Louisiana, it was... Um, yeah, I don't know how it was in Alabama, but it was Jabot jeans or Z Cavarici jeans. 
and uh, Tommy Hilfiger shirts at the time were popular, and uh, I couldn't afford any of those, so I'd, I was a bit of a hustler too, and, and, <laughs> and growing up in that environment, you learn to, to work with what you have, and so I made some deal with my soon-to-be brother-in-law, who was dating my sister at the time. Um, he would go hang out with his friends and lie to my sister about it, pretending like he's taking me out, like being a big brother that I really wanted at the time. But he would give me his old shirts, but they were like extra larger, so they didn't fit. And, uh, and so he would go hang out with his friends, drop me off at my friend's house, and, I, and in, in return, I would trade out. He would give me his Tommy Hilfiger shirts or Jabot jeans that didn't fit me. So if I couldn't cinch him up with a belt or tuck him in tight enough, I would, my grandmother would sew, so I would reap the tags off of them and sew them onto my Bobo clothes that I get from Walmart or whatever. So I would have the cool clothes, right? I was pretty clever. And, uh, and the thing about a lot of the mean kids, <laughs> they were equally as ignorant most of the time. And so I, could, I would trade them out different things and say, these are, you know, this is rare. You know, they say, I didn't know Jabot made jeans like that. I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, I'd sew the leather thing on the back and everything. <laughs> yeah, man, why don't you swap me for those Jordans or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I was hustling, man. I was doing what I could to, to, to work it out. And, uh, <laughs> and so... So it was funny, a real quick funny story. I don't know why I thought of this, but uh, he had given me, one of the trades was uh, a quarter of a bottle of Polo Cologne in the green bottle with the gold cap. I don't know if y'all remember that. And I couldn't afford that. So I filled it with the, uh, the rest of the way, I think, with water <laughs> or something. So it looked full. And I had some friends come over, and one of those friends, uh, friends stole that bottle of Cologne. And I was like, man, that sucker got a bottle of water. <laughs> and there was barely any Cologne in there. I was just trying to be cool. But anyway, so obviously I struggled with identity and I wanted to be normal and fit in and I felt like those clothes at the time would make me normal that I could, I could somehow push back, push away the, the childhood that I'd grown up in and I could be like those other kids that had a dad in their lives or a big brother or, you know, played sports or had parents that, you know, were really looking out for them all the time. And I'm not saying that my mom didn't look out for me or anything, but there was just a different dynamic in some of the families that I saw that I wanted, that I desired. Does that make sense? I wanted something that I didn't have, and I thought if I could just look the part, then I would feel a little bit better about who I was, and, and, and I could be better or be more, right? And so there was a, and, I don't, and I'm, I'm not saying I relate with everybody here, but I do see, I've seen some, and some of you guys have told me your story. Even growing up in church, you try to put on these, these things that make you feel like you're something that you're not. And the problem is we have to realize who we are before we start expressing that outwardly. We can't, the same thing, not the cart before the horse. It's trying to manufacture something on the outside that hadn't, had never happened on the inside when all the Lord wanted to do was express his identity through me. I just didn't know it. And he was telling me all through my childhood, I just ignored it. Um, what I learned... In high school, this was from middle school on into high school, I struggled with this. Something I learned that was not a deep spiritual thing back then, but is now, is one of the most popular kids that I looked up to and I wanted to be like pretty much my whole whole middle school or towards the beginning of high school before I moved to Alabama, um, was like the good looking sports guy, popular, great family, great house, um, I mean just everything, and he ended up committing suicide his freshman year. And it blew my mind. I couldn't understand it. I was like, how, how could someone who has it all just give up life like that? In hindsight now, on this side of the cross, understanding who I am and my identity, I realized that we don't know what people are going through. We have no idea. We have these pictures painted of what a good life looks like and what a bad life looks like. 
I've been in youth ministry for years before I ever came to seniors pastor, and I've seen kids. I've seen kids from the suburbs with, with, you know, two cars and a boat and everything else and a beautiful home, that are dealing with the same issues that the kid from the ghetto is dealing with. That doesn't have anything. Dealing with the same, painting this picture of this beautiful life on the outside and everything's falling apart in their homes every day. Same things, same things. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or abuse, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it looks like from the outside. We can't judge those things from the outside because we don't know what's going on with people that are around us. We have no idea. That's why we go back to Christ is all and is in all. It's not this person or that person or this situation or that situation. We, we have to look for and see Christ in every person that we find. And if he's not there, then we need to draw him out. Colossians 3.9, this is the message version. It says, don't lie to one another. This is where we talked about a lot last week. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every time your new way of life is, every, t- every item, I'm sorry, every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All old fashions are, are now obsolete. Words like Jewish, non-Jewish, religious, or irreligious, insider or outsider, uncivilized or uncouth, slave or free, mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. Listen, it doesn't matter if you come in here in shorts and a t-shirt or a three-piece suit. We should be looking for Christ in you, and if not, we need to be demonstrating Christ to you. Verse 12, so chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Let me stop there. There are lots of things that we can apply outside of this church, but inside this church, I pray for each and every one of you that we are... If we have this mindset of Christ that we are okay to be second and we are here to love and serve one another and we practice humility in that we are unoffendable, this will be a great place to hang out. <laughs> because the, the, the sooner that we, that we are unoffendable, the sooner we can enjoy each other's company because I guarantee at some point one of us is going to offend somebody else. And it'll probably be me as the first one. I don't even realize half the time Tracy reminds me two hours later. What were you thinking when you said that? That was a jerk move. And she's usually right. I'm like, I wasn't even thinking. I just thought it'd be funny. (laughs) But practice unoffendability. Is that a word? Practice being unoffendable. You will will live a happier life (laughs) being okay with with people even when when they offend you. Yes. Absolutely not. I know. You know I'm messing with you, so it doesn't matter. Where are you going? <laughs> okay, we'll get you a mic. <laughs> I love our church. Okay, so this is get something that, a mic. that I worked, I've worked a long time toward. Um, so my basic philosophy about offense. So there are very few people in this world that are going to do or say things to intentionally hurt you. And those people are sociopaths, so they don't count anyway. <laughs> so... 
the vast majority, if somebody says something that offends you, they don't mean to offend you. That's not their intent. And so if you get offended, well, it's really your fault. <laughs> because they're not doing it on purpose. And so it's took me a long time to get here, but that's basically how I live my life. I take everybody with a grain of salt. Everybody. And so, you know I love you, Shane. So, yeah, I know. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's something that I work on, is that, look, if, if, if Justin says something that hurts my feelings, well, I love Justin, and I know he loves me. So you, I can confidently say that about every person in this building right now, is that everybody here loves you. And if somebody says something that hurts your feelings, they're not meaning to hurt your feelings. They're, they're, they're either trying to help you or they're just kidding. So, you know, just don't get, try not to get so caught up in being offended. Thank you. <laughs> that was rude. Don't be offended. Demonstration. Demonstration, That was an object lesson. Thank you. We planned all this. Y'all know I'm not that organized. No, you didn't. Bill and I talked about it a couple days ago. Okay. So forgive as quickly, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Wear love all the time. It's, it's the most important thing. We talked about last week, our freedom is only governed by love. You are free to do whatever you want. All things, all things are permissible, but not all are beneficial. Do something stupid. What did you say last week? Play, play stupid games, win, win stupid prizes? Yeah. Do, that's Shane's motto. Do something dumb, and you're going to get something for it. I'm not going to pretend like that's not going to happen. But at the same time, you know, let love lead. Our freedoms are, are, should be led by love. And, and when they are, that's how we see that God's laws are written on our heart <laughs> because he loves. And if he's in our hearts, where's, where is he now? Where's the Holy Spirit? He's in our hearts. He didn't say he was in our minds. He said we need to renew our minds because these things get screwed up sometimes. He's in our heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was getting to that. You're skipping ahead, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Object lesson. I'm a cool pastor that plans all this stuff out. No, I'm not. Right. And and if Christ is in our heart, that's the Yeah, it'll confuse it. But the, and and I'll go I'll go ahead and go where you were going. Why not? We talked about this in youth the other night. I substituted while uh, Brian was out of town. And we talked about some of the kids were like, "Well, I feel like I need to defend myself when I'm on the bus or when I'm at school. Kids are mean and they'll walk all over you and this kind of thing." And I said, "Well, I understand that. I'm not talking about just being a sucker or anything like that. I said, but I'm not outside of physical things. Let's talk about just um, hurtful things that people say, especially kids. Usually, almost every single time, I'll say 99.9% of the reason why people say something ugly is because they are going through something. They're dealing with something. And so we, we have to, especially in our kids, we have to raise them in a way that they see they don't need to react to the symptoms of what's going on. They need to address the source of what's causing these kids to be ugly to other kids. Because, listen, if we're same thing we do. If we're just trimming back the hedges, we're not doing anything about the root, and it's, you're going to run yourself ragged. 
kids are doing the same thing. If you're just reacting all the time to defend yourself as though you need to defend yourself, which you don't, because, and that's what I was telling them, because you're the light of the world, you need to be demonstrating that to them. You need to step out of trying to defend yourself emotionally because you are emotionally set and sound in the vine. You are grafted into Christ. So if you're grafted into Christ and kids are being mean to you, you, go, you need to look past them being ugly because you know that you're not whatever they're saying you are. And I can't even say the words we used to say <laughs> to each other as kids. You know you're not that when they say that to you. You should know that. Well, I'm not that. And you go, eh, why would you say that to me? You catch them in, in a time when you go, hey, you know, what's going on? They're obviously dealing with something. You don't know what they're dealing with. The popular kids or the unpopular kids or the ones that are left out, it doesn't matter. They're all different in different ways. They're all dealing with something. And when, they, when, when what manifests from them is evil, then something is feeding into that, and you need to find out what that is. We had a good conversation Wednesday night. I enjoyed it. I, I miss youth, man. Youth was fun. We have, to, we have to see that, especially when we're young, because if we get older and we don't see that, even with our kids, they're going to bounce around all over the place. They're just going to react to people, and they're going to know who they are, right? They're just going to say, well, I need to adjust constantly, and they're just going to be like the waves just... They need to be rock solid, and I tell Brian that all the time. You've got about four years with these kids. They need, to, they, they need to depend on you a little bit in the beginning, but slowly but surely you need to be kicking them out of the nest. They need to know who they are when they go out from high school into college or workplace or wherever they go, the mission field. It's all mission field. They need to know who they are, and they need to be secure in their identity in Christ because you're not, we're not going to be there for them all the time. I mean, as much as we can, we try to be, but they need to know who they are when they leave this place. Or I hope they stick around, not leave all the But, you know, when they go out into life, they need to know who they are. We need to set that. We need to build them up in that so they're not swayed constantly by the way people treat them or talk to them. Because that's what leads to depression and, and frustration and, and, and fear. Because they're not, they're not grounded and they're not in, in the rock. They're not solid. And as adults, we need to be reminded of it too. I mean, I'm, I'm the pastor. <laughs> and I, know that, I should know this stuff. And one little thing can mess me up like that, and, and my whole world falls apart. Somebody's a jerk to me or something, and I'm going, why would, they, why would they do that to me? You know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense. I'm a nice guy. You know what I mean? I don't understand. Why don't they like me? You know? And, and I'll, it takes me a little while to get back. Why am I worried about that? Why am I stressing about that? I need to pray for them. I need to love them. I need to find this place. But any of us can fall into it. We can just, bam. Just like I told you, health issues. Health can just... Throw itself right in the center of your life. You go, how'd you get here? I shouldn't be as concerned with you as I am. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Why am I worried about health issues? Yeah, I mean, we have a, we have a brain. Go to the doctor if your arm's severed. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I'm not going to get into that, but I did a little bit. All right, so... We read about Peter's shadow, um, you know, in Acts 5, Peter's shadow was healing the sick. But his shadow also caused the demons to cry out. So I've asked for that. I, you know, it's always cool to say, oh, boy, I wish I could do that. But I'm not sure I want all the demons crying out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think that is part of what goes on with our kids in the schools yeah. and uh, in other places where children are, you know, where their families, where they don't know the Lord, where the kingdom has not been evidence to them. And it's part of walking in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, well, re recognizing that position changes your perspective when you walk in a room. Now you're not affected by what's going on. Now you're, you're changing the atmosphere and you're changing the culture. And you don't have to hide in a Christian environment all the time. And this is something we, we run into a lot in the, in the South. 
and, and I'm not saying don't send your kids to private school, whatever, that's fine. I'm just saying don't be afraid of, especially when you know that your kids are grounded, for them to go out and, and begin to um, minister to people because that's what they're called to do. And it may, and it's something that I always talked about in youth. We don't, we don't need to rob our kids saying that they are, our, they are our future. Of course they are. We can't stop time. As much as Tracy's like she wants our kids to be babies again, I'm like, well, it's better than the alternative. <laughs> they're alive and they're growing, so that's good. And so we need to understand that kids, yeah, they're our future. That's a given. But they're our present, too. And kids, I mean, my 10-year-old was ministering to us in our living room last night, right? This is, this is, and sometimes they're more bold than we are. They're not held back with all the ridiculous things that we get caught up in. Kids are just pure. They're just like, hey, let me pray for you. My, uh, Kyla will do this all the time, come up and just pray over me. She was singing the other day. Uh, we got this, this, it doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm telling you this. She was just riding around, um, and she was singing, and she said, I just, I just began to pray, Daddy. I prayed for you and Mommy. And Tracy was having some rough days at work, and I was being, I was sick, I was feeling bad, and I had no idea. And she said, hey, how are you feeling? I said, actually, I feel really good. Tracy came home, she said, hey, Mom, how was your day? And she was like, today was the best day that I've had since I started this job. And she said, that's interesting, because I was, uh, I was riding, the, we had got this little gator that we ride around or whatever, and she said, I was riding the gator, um, and she said, I just began to sing, and I was praying. As I sang, I began to pray, like sing and pray, like she didn't even know how to describe it. She was like, I began to sing, pray. <laughs> and she said, I started praying for you and, and praying for mommy, and I made it a song. And, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. And she was like, I just think it's really cool that it worked. And I was like, yes, you're the greatest. This is awesome. You know what I mean? But she, it wasn't, she had no other agenda than she just loved us and she wanted to pray for us. Listen, don't, don't take lightly that Holy Spirit in your kids. It's not a Holy Spirit light or a Holy Spirit junior. It's the same Holy Spirit. Yes. I've given this testimony before, but I think it's very appropriate for this moment. Um, when my son, who's now 30, was in first grade, uh, I, he kept coming home with bruises all over him. And I found out he was bullied. And I went to the teacher, and um, I got protection from him by the teacher watching. But she said, for a child to be that violent that young, there has to be something wrong in the home. And it just hit me. She's right. And so every night, my son and I prayed blessings because you're supposed to bless your enemies yeah. on this child. And um, my son looked up at me and he said, well, can't we just pray for him to stop? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, we could, but this is what God wants us to do. And the bullying stopped. And by the end of the year, they were very good friends. Wow. And that's God's kingdom coming into my child's life because we prayed and we changed the environment, yeah. at least at school, and I think we changed it at his home, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, don't discount the Holy Spirit in your children. Yeah. That's awesome. And I can tell you, I can tell you also, yes, we can clap. I don't know what's appropriate. I can also tell you there have been kids that have been in youth that um, in the past that have come and, and were kind of in the same situation. They were, they were kind of the ones that were mean. They get saved and they bring their parents and a lot of it stemmed from their parents and their parents get saved. And it's all because of the kids that the whole family now is, is safe. So we don't need to, to negate that, yes? Um, something I had noticed, I was on the bus and a lot of people generally expect that it's the more popular kids, I guess, messing with or bullying with the 
kids who don't really have it well or yeah. something like that. However, there was this girl on my bus, and I don't call her like an emo kid or a goth kid, but like there were these cheerleaders on the bus because we had to drop them off at the high school because they were doing practice. And the girl's name is Jessica, and she was like, oh, I hate the preps and all this other stuff, but they weren't even doing anything wrong. They were just sitting there, and they didn't say anything at all. Like, they just kind of like, well, that's, I guess, how you feel, you know? And then she kept saying it and kept saying stuff about it, and then the girl finally went, well, I hate emo kids. And then she was like, I can't believe you just said that. What? You know, and, like, freaked out about it. And she opened up the emergency exit of the back of the bus and ran out the next stop. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, is that you don't really expect certain things to happen, especially with how it's put out. Yeah. Because it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really matter what you look like on the outside. It's how you, I know it's said a lot, and I know it's like spoken out a lot. Like, oh, what matters is on the inside. But a lot of people don't view it as such. Yeah. A lot of people kind of view it as, you know, you got those Jordans, man, you cool. But if you don't, then go away, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's not how it really is. Right. And, you know, I noticed that a lot of the time, it's not really what you expect because the popular kids weren't even doing anything. Right. It's kind of like, I don't know, they just suddenly, they assumed that they talked bad about them. They assumed, they made assumptions based on what their class was. Right. You know, they made assumptions on that type of person just because they were cheerleaders or they did sports and stuff. Right. And a lot of people at my school do that because, you know, just because, you know, they're like cheerleaders and oh, of course, they're talking bad about me just because they do sports or just because they're more, they're considered more popular. Well, just, just, just like I was talking about, too, with with, uh, with that kid that was the most popular kid. I mean, yeah. we, I have no idea what he was going through. But in my mind, I was thinking the same thing. I, I just wanted to be like him. So, And and there was probably some jealousy or some, not necessarily that I hated him, but I, I could see where that could stem from that. So, I mean, that that's what comes from that is there's this assumption that that's what, that's what everything is okay because of the circumstances that surround the person, and that's not the case. And a lot of the times is that, oh, of course, they think they're better than me or something like that. And they try to prove, they like try to prove for no reason that they're not better than them because they don't even really think that. They're usually really good people. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, I know it can be kind of controversial, but I think everyone is a person. I don't think you're a bad person. I just think you're a person who makes bad decisions or your person makes good decisions. Yeah. Because I don't really call people bad people. I don't really call people, you know, good people. Just people who make good and bad decisions. Well, <clears throat> I mean, God has created us in His image, and every, and creation's always going to long for its Creator. So we, we look for we look for people, and that's why we call out Christ in people. That's just what we do. And so when when it's talking about this, is the same way. It's not that we're, and this is this has been the the kind of unbalanced view I've seen in a lot of churches and I say a lot of churches, I haven't been to every church, so it's not most churches, but a lot of churches I went to were people looking for the bad in people so they could call that out so they could try to make them better. And what happens when you do that is it's, tr- it's trimming the, the weeds again. It's not getting to the source of the problem. So you can, you can try to make bad people behave better, and that's <laughs> pretty frustrating, I'll tell you firsthand. 
Um, but when you call out Christ in people and you demonstrate that to them, now you give them something that is beyond what they can do on their own, but something that's a gift from God himself and creates an identity as a son or a daughter of God. And so from that place, they begin to operate like a son or daughter of God. So we don't, we don't try to earn this right. We just accept it as a gift. So that's the truth of the gospel. Can I add scripture that the, the word says, um, you know, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Mm-hmm. The more in tune we are with God's heart, the more we get past the surface and, and try to understand what's going on inside. And that's where you can bring life. Yeah. All right. We, I got, I'm not going to get all the way to the end, but I'll stop here. We'll, we'll wrap up with this. Uh, verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune, in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. I'll stop there. Listen, we don't. We come together as a community every Sunday, and a lot of us meet on, on Wednesdays. Um, it's it's for the the opportunity to fellowship and to talk to each other and to love one another and pray for one another. And we don't do this thing on our own. And this goes out throughout the week. We we need to call each other, text each other, check on each other, and we try to do the best that we can to do that because none of us are doing this thing on our own. We were we were created to be in a community of people. That, that's just who we are. We were created from community because it was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the very beginning. We were created from community for community so that we can be with one another. So you don't just run off and try to do this thing on your own. I need you and you need me. There are strengths that you have that I don't have, and there may be strengths that I have that you don't have. I don't know. I think there is. Maybe. All right. Still need to cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. (laughs) Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, listen to this, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. This is the life we live every step of the way, singing, laughing. Listen, we meet every Sunday up here sometimes when we pray before service just to get on the same page and let the Holy Spirit lead. We get, well, sometimes we meet in my office and probably 75, 80% of the time we start off laughing. Sometimes we end laughing. Sometimes we laugh the whole time. Man, there's joy in the Lord and it's okay to laugh. Sometimes we cry. Um, no big surprise. Sometimes I cry. But, but it's okay. And everything that we do, Christ is the central message, and he lives with us, and he lives through us in everything that we do, whether it's words, whether it's deeds. I will give you this quote that's at the end, even though I didn't quite get to the end. St. Francis said, preach Christ always and sometimes use words. This means everything in your life, every aspect. It doesn't mean that you don't minister to people through good advice or words, but that's just part of it. Love people all the time. Help people all the time. Treat people the way that Christ treats you, even though it's not fair sometimes. See them in the perspective that he gives you in every aspect of your life, walking, talking, moving, because he's here with us. Stand up with me. Please. Please stand. Father, we thank you that you give us your perspective, Lord, that we, <clears throat> we don't have to begrudgingly um, go out and minister to people as though it's a stress. Lord, we build relationships with people, and it's an absolute joy to hang out and to talk and to hear Um, your heart through them, and for them to hear your heart through us, and we build each other up, and we minister to one another through prayer and through um, practical things, through through, um, just getting together and eating and getting together and talking and and, uh, helping each other uh, move and move furniture and and, uh, going swimming and just, just doing all the things that we do in life, Father. We minister to one another in community through that. 
And so, Father, I, I just pray that anything that we do, everything that we do, from going to a restaurant and, and tipping our, our waitress or our waiter um, to, to loving our spouse, to loving our kids, to, to teaching them, Lord, that you would do it through us, Lord, that we would seek you as the good Father that you are and you would help us to lead and to guide each other in the best way that we can. Um, so we just thank you for that truth and for your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen.